You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. just going to share God's word uh, for the next half hour or so, and um, we believe in this church that there is power in the word of God. Amen. We believe that it is living, active, that it is able to, to get right into the centre, not, not only of our issues, not only of our circumstances, but of us ourselves, that it can divide through all the sinew and fleshy bits and get right to the heart of the matter in our lives. So... This is the word of God, this is a real gift that has been given to us by the king of creation. And uh, and there is life in these words. And so I'm just going to be sharing those uh, for a little while with you. Freshly squeezed. I was really thinking over time, you know, the title's not really important. (laughs) But freshly squeezed. I wonder if you feel squeezed sometimes and how fresh that might feel. Uh, this week, you might have seen a news article that uh, Persimmon and Bellway Homes have been criticised. Has anyone seen that? Uh, they've been criticised for building dangerous houses. People, you felt in the SU just got houses. That was the name of Nolan. You're all right. Your house is going to stand. Because um, I, I hate to like, you know, put that kind of middle of doubt in your mind. But they've been criticised for building dangerous houses. And in, in particular, um, that the houses are not fire safe because they've incorrectly installed the fire barriers. I don't even know what that is, but the fire barriers in these personal and railway homes have been incorrectly fitted, so they're at risk. Okay. Now, when you buy a house, you, you buy it with a sense of the unknown, don't you? Even if it's a brand new house or an old house, you buy it with a sense of the unknown. Uh, that, that, there's a sense of trust in it as well. You're kind of trusting that the people selling it to you and the people that have done the home report have been honest. Mm. And thorough. Mm. And, uh, and, and if they haven't, then what you, what you find is that however good your house might look, it might cost you a whole lot more. Mm. How many of you have had to do works in a house that you've moved into? Mm. There's a few nodding heads going on here. Uh, it might look good on the outside, but what about what is unseen? What about the foundations, the insulation? What about when you start pulling, uh, pulling the, the, the plaster off the walls to reveal what's going on behind it. You know what we found in our house is there's not one jot of insulation in, in between the plasterboard and the, the wall. It's a Scottish special in our house. So there, there's no cavity in our walls. It's just concrete. But it's not even like solid concrete. I'll take that. It's concrete that is mixed with pebbles. Okay, like they've been down to a pebble beach and they've got a load of pebbles. They've mixed it up with concrete, poured that into these big wooden like uh, structures and that, that's the wall of my house. Which is nice and secure, it's not going to fall down, but it does mean that it's cold. Because <laughs> the wind finds a way through. <laughs> and uh, Homes Under the Hammer, has anyone ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Like, I love a bit of trashy morning telly, because it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Homes Under the Hammer is a fantastic programme. And, and if you're not familiar with it, basically what they do is they go to an auction where homes are being sold under the hammer. Uh, and the BBC presenters will go and they'll, they'll find some people that are selling particular homes. And then they'll, they'll track their journey from the hammer going down, yes, you've, you've won that bid, that's your house, to when they've actually done it up uh, to a standard. And they're either going to sell it or they're going to live in it. More often than not, they seem to be trying to turn them over to sell. 
And the, the, the presenters of the show always spend time interviewing the buyers right at the beginning and say, what are you planning on doing and, and what's your budget? And then they'll come back later on in the show, won't they? And, and they'll say, right, have you done what you said you were going to do and have you stayed within your budget? And you know what? I've observed nine times out of ten, they've blown the budget. Nine times out of ten. And the reason is this, once they start getting under the fabric of the house, even if it looked dilapidated in the first place, because that's a deal, but they've found other problems that they weren't anticipating, and then suddenly the cost just escalates. It's, so, it's possible to find a beautiful house, beautifully situated, well-equipped, tastefully decorated, uh, and yet it'd be a place that's going to cost you far more than the asking price because of these unseen repairs that need to happen. And it's possible that the place that you buy that's the home of your dreams could be a couple of cracks away from crumble. <laughs> I don't want to, like, worry you this morning. You're going to go back and, like, pull up carpet. No, that's not it. And start having a little idea behind the, uh, the uh, plasterboards. It's the same with us. It's exactly the same with us. We can look good on the outside, but be hiding rising damp on the inside. We, we can appear solid on the outside, but have an infestation on the inside that could bring the whole building down. So how, how do you know that you are walking in a healthy relationship with God? Can I just pause a minute? I'll pray for the kids, but I'm just going to pray into this mm, now. Mm. Lord, where our heart's desire is to walk with you and have a healthy relationship, would you fuel that and would you fire that today? And Lord, where that's not our primary desire, would you give us a loving, gentle shake? Put in us a desire to walk with you. Put in us a desire to have a healthy relationship. God, even if we're confused about how to get from here to there, even, even if it seems so desperate because we want to love you, but we're crying out, help me, God. You know, I love you a little. Help me to love you more. Yes. And, and, and I, I want to follow you a little, but help me to want to follow you a whole lot more. God, would you come this morning? And wherever we, we are this morning, wherever we sit in our lives, would you make this a word in season that, that <coughs> brings about a healthiness spiritually? To our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is the evidence of a life that is yielded to God and soaked or saturated in His Holy Spirit's presence? What is the evidence of that? Is it having the gift of tongues? The, the healing ministry, receiving words, pictures, being prophetic? Are those things evidence? of a life that is healthy in its walk with God. We tend to look at people who are outwardly gifted and assume that they're inwardly holy. I say that again, we tend to look at people who are outwardly gifted and we make the assumption that because of that, they are inwardly holy. Being charismatic, being a great speaker, being a person gifted in drawing people into his presence through musical worship, being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Are these indicators of a mature believer? No. No, they're not. And that might come as a bit of a surprise to you. 
The, these are gifts, and these gifts can be operated by people who are not living in full obedience to Jesus Christ. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> 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 I swear that's got louder. We've got people shouting, like, I hope it's all right in there. There's not a fire, and they're going, help, help. And we're just like, close the door. It's all right, they'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, Romans 10, uh, sorry, Romans 11, 29 says that the gifts of God and the call of God are without repentance or that they're irrevocable. So God can gift something to somebody and, and then they can live in a different way and God's not necessarily going to take that gift away from them. You know, I've known people uh, with tremendous ministry gifts that have that powerfully ushered people into the presence of God and drawn people into the maturity of God, yet at the same time they've been hiding great selfishness or great anger or bitterness or, or even being engaged in great habitual sin and even addictions. And I, some of you have known people like this, you might not be aware of it yet, but you know people that have amazing ministry gifts. And you might see them on the telly and think, wow, that is a holy guy. Only to have that all crumble down when the truth comes out and you find out that all along there was something under the surface, something hidden, that, that would have betrayed that their healthiness in their walk with Christ was out of, out of sync. There's been a large number of high-profile Pastors, mm -hmm. musicians, that have been hugely successful, that have had massive successful ministries, and they've crumbled overnight because of catastrophic moral failures that have often been concealed for months yeah. or even years. And this is during their successful ministries. I, I'm not in the place where I'm going to start ministry shaming. I'm not going to name names for you. You probably know of a few that you've seen in the world kind of stage of uh, Christianity, but I don't, it's not my place to name their names. No. And then plus one day somebody might be naming my name. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I better be careful there. Mm -hmm. Not that there's big habitual sin going on about my life. So you can't determine how holy or mature or submitted a person of God is uh, to God by looking at their gifts or their talents or the extent of their ministries. You know, so some of the singers whose songs we still sing, some of the pastors whose books we still have on our shelves, and some of those whose devotionals we still turn to in the mornings, the forum. So the gifts are evidence of the health, okay? Uh, I think that's quite clear. <laughs> that was my premise. Now, before I move on, you might say, well, it's not your place to, to look at somebody else and decide where their heart is at. Maybe, you know, it's not your place to decide whether somebody's walking with the Lord or not, or even consider whether they're saved at all. Maybe that, you know, you could say to me, that's not your place. And you probably look at this verse. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a scary verse, isn't it? And, and, and the classic analogy for this is, 
the, the, or the classic picture is that if I point my finger at you, I'm not actually pointing at Rob here, there's nothing suspected in his life. But if I, if I point my finger at you, then they say, well, there's three pointing back at me. And there's, you know, there's an element of truth in that because we, we don't want to be harsh with other people because that's inviting harshness to ourselves as well. So you might say that it's not your place to judge, and you might also be aware that if you do, then the same rules of engagement will apply to you. But, if somebody claims to be a disciple of Christ and yet lives in such a way that completely contradicts that claim, then you can, and you should, be able to discern that and take action. I'll clear this up in a minute because it looks pretty clear here that you shouldn't judge and I'm saying that you can and that you should discern. And the reason that we worry about this is because if the microscope was turned onto your life and so we're, we're, we don't want to be pointing things out. What action should you take? Well for starters, fellow disciples should be laying down an example for others to follow. Fellow disciples should be signposting for each other the way to walk healthily in Christ. And it's not about following their preferences or their skills or, or their use of gifts, but their Christ-likeness. Their Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. <coughs> Excuse me. Christ-likeness in character, not necessarily or primarily Okay. Not every believer will have the gift of healing, but every believer should be sacrificially loving. Did you see? So if you're near somebody whose walk contradicts their talk, then you better judge carefully that their example is not one worth following. Mm. Now, here's where it comes back to this, because you're still thinking, hang on, that still sounds like you're judging now. But here's the thing, you're not carrying sentence on them. You're deciding, I'm not going to follow that example. There's a big difference there. The Bible tells us to discern. In fact, Jesus tells us to judge. And yet here he says, don't judge. So there's clearly, there is something here that we have to figure out and wrestle with. You're not passing sentence on them. You're just saying, I'm not going to follow your example. Okay? So, moving forward, if the evidence of a life that is yielded to God and soaked and saturated in the Holy Spirit isn't in charisma, isn't in talents or spiritual gifts, then what is it? What is the evidence of somebody whose life is in step? And the evidence of a yielded and spirit-filled life is not gifts, it's fruit. Mm-hmm. Okay, very clear distinction here. Not gifts, fruit. Jesus said, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear, this is moving on, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. So there is a way here that, that 
the Bible gives you to discern somebody else's walk. Now, why would that be? Firstly, as I've already said, because you need to know who's worth exemplifying and who's not. Paul says, imitate me, not as I imitate myself, but imitate me as I imitate Christ. So in other words, imitate the Christ-likeness in Paul. And, and imitate, discern and imitate the Christ-likeness in each other. Mm-hmm. You see? So ignore the cack, ignore the junk, ignore the, the, the ways that we are selfish and that we are messed up. Imitate the Christ-likeness. And if somebody is walking a healthy walk with the Lord, that Christ-likeness is going to be on the surface to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. See this? Gifts are, are transferred from the outside. Fruit is grown from the inside. There's a very fundamental difference between those two things. Gifts are like fairy lights that, that are, are put on the tree to illuminate it, to adorn it, to make it pretty to other people's eyes. Those are gifts. And they might be a benefit as well. They are a benefit. Gifts are always a benefit as well. Whereas fruit are the natural adornments of the tree. They grow from within it. Fruit reveals the healthiness of the tree. Uh, the quality of its nutritional source. Have, have any of you ever had an apple tree or a plum tree and it's just failed year on year? There's something wrong in the ground. There's something wrong with how it's rooted there. Or it's, it's got an infestation or something is causing that fruit not to grow. So... Fruit is also there for the nourishing of those who get to pick and taste it. It nourishes those who pick it. Not the tree itself, but those who pick that fruit. So what fruit are we talking about? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the fruit that should grow from within the life of somebody who is walking healthily with the Lord. (coughs) Now I want you to notice a couple of things. Firstly, notice this. The fruit is good. Okay, this fruit is good. He says uh, there's no law against these kind of things. You're never going to get arrested for being patient. No. You're never going to get arrested for being kind. No, nobody's going to chuck you in prison for being gentle. Or for being peaceful. It's not going to happen. They're good fruit. There, there isn't a culture in the world that would say that patience isn't a good thing. So, no surprise that the fruit that the Holy Spirit grows in us is excellent. Mm. It's excellent. When you look at me, and, and if, you're, if you try to aim to discern, am I a good pastor or not, don't look at the quality of my preaching. <laughs> you know, case in point. You know, don't, don't look at how musical I am or whether I can lead people into his presence with an instrument, with worship. Don't, don't look at how well I can lead a team or develop young leaders or, or, or put a website or a PowerPoint presentation together. Don't look at that stuff. Don't, don't even look at whether or not I speak in tongues 
or, or display wisdom or have prophetic words or pictures or visions. Don't look at that stuff to try and discern, is this pastor a pastor that I can trust or not? That's, that's just adornment, that's fairy lights. They're useful, they're great, they illuminate, they're beautiful, hopefully. But, but, but don't look at that and say, is this man healthy in the Lord? Mm. What you need to look at is, how do I love my wife? Yeah. What, what you need to look at is, how do I treat strangers? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I patient with people when they're difficult? Or am I patient in difficult, stressful situations? Do I, do I demonstrate kindness under pressure? Do I display self-control? Or do I fly off the handle at the drop of a hat? Do I overdo it on the whiskey? <laughs> do I let my eyes wander everywhere? Look at those things. If you want to know whether I'm healthy or not, look at that. And what you'll find, if you look deep enough, is fault. If you look deep enough, however I try to adorn this tree, if you like, you'll find fault. You'll find flaw. Somewhere I'll be deficient. Somewhere it'll be so grotesquely deficient that it'll be obvious. And you'll be like, why are we even listening to this guy at all? But don't petition the apostolic church for my removal just yet, please. <laughs> because if, if we look deep enough at you, would, would it be a different story? Honestly? And if you, if you don't think it'll be a different story, then you're really in trouble. <laughs> no, I mean that. If you don't think it'll be a different story in your own heart or soul, then, then you are in more trouble than you'd possibly imagine right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I can present good tasting fruit to you on a daily basis. As long as things are going well. I, I can actually present love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I can even memorize them and say, no, that isn't that holy. You know, I, I can do that and I can present this picture of myself that looks like the fruit on my tree is good. But here's the thing. What about the true test? When that fruit is squeezed, is it sweet or is it bitter? When, when the circumstances in your life squeeze you like you're crushing an orange in your hand, is that going to be sourness and bitterness to those around you? Or is that going to be sweetness? There's a big challenge this morning. Ask yourself that question. Put yourself in that situation now where you're under pressure, where you're under stress, where everything is going wrong, everything is winding you up, you know, hurt, you're tired, you're angry. What does the fruit of your life taste like in those moments? But the evidence of the Spirit's presence in our lives and and the level of our yielding to Him is that fruit is growing and that this is good tasting fruit. It's fruit that lets people taste and see that the Lord is good. That's your role in this world. That's why you bear fruit for the Holy Spirit. It's so that the nations can taste and see through your life that the Lord is good. The other thing I want you to notice is that it says fruit, singular. Because at the minute, I think you're probably thinking, oh, this is a bit awkward. (laughs) I'll come back to that and say, notice this, that this fruit 
is singular, fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. Well, hang on there, you listed a whole number of them, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. But we're talking about fruit, singular fruit, growing in our lives. Now, why is that important? Because it's not like several individual and distinct little fruits that come from my efforts to cultivate them. Like, I've grown love, but I need to work on cultivating joy. An apple tree doesn't grow oranges, or even pears, which would make a bit more sense because they're similar. But growing as a type of fruit that contains all the flavours and nutrients of love, joy, peace, patience. They grow together because they are one fruit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that these things are growing as one fruit. He is the vine, we are the branches. Any fruit grown on the branches of our lives will come from the resources of the vine. And, and because of our connection to that vine, if you disconnect yourself from the vine, what fruit will grow? Really? What, what's going to happen in your life if you disconnect yourself from the source of life? He's the vine. Now, now, this is good news. Listen, we tend to treat these verses a bit like this. Like taking our car into the garage for a full service. We, we tend to treat these verses like going for an MOT spiritually. Oh, better have a spiritual checkup. I'm doing okay in love and joy and peace, but patience, kindness... Self-control is completely out the window. You know, I, I'm doing well with these things, but I need to work on these things. Do you know what that is? And when we've all done that, and I've done that, and I've even taught that before. I've even sat people down and said, let's have a spiritual MOT this morning. How, what? And I've got them to write down which one of those fruit, even though they're one piece of fruit, which one of you is the Lord revealing that you need to work on this morning? I was incorrect to do that. Because what it is, is idolatry. Now that's a very strong word to use. What's idolatry? It's putting anything in front of God. Anything above God. When you try to become good by your efforts, that's idolatry. Because you're saying, I can rescue myself. Mm -hmm. I can be good enough. Yeah. You can't. Right. You can't. This is why it's good news. Because however good you are, there's some area where you are deficient. Mm -hmm. You are broken. You, you are imperfect. And, and it's Jesus who we need. It's the rescuer, the perfect one, who we need him to make us perfect. You can't do it. So don't go away today. And some of us are doing this in our heads right now. Yeah, I was really impatient yesterday. I need to work on that. Lord, help me work on my patience. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll tell you what to do in a second. <coughs> so if it's not about identifying strategies in our lives, then what? How do we do this? If growing fruit is the Holy Spirit's responsibility, does that absolve you of responsibility? Because that sounds like what I'm saying when I'm saying you can't do it, stop trying. 
I'm not, I'm not saying you're absolved of responsibility. What I'm saying is that your responsibility isn't to try to be better. That's idolatry. That's putting yourself, that's making yourself God in your life. Okay? How? How can you facilitate seeing this fruit grow in your life? What is your responsibility? If it's nothing to do with your behaviour, then it's God's fault, right? He hasn't grown that fruit to me yet. It must be his fault. Well, no, it's not his fault. Your responsibility is to get in front of him and give him room to move in your life. That's your responsibility. You, you can't change the fact that your patience is appalling. You can't change the fact that your self-control, it, it just seems like it's ravaged every time you get tempted in some way. You, of course you can try and put strategies in place to try and be better. You will fail. Sorry. You will at some point fail. And even if you succeed in one thing, like let's say I'm addicted to cocaine or something like that, you know, maybe I could have the strength of willpower to take myself off of cocaine and give myself a clean life. People do that. People, non-believers, have achieved that. They've taken themselves off things, but at some point in their lives, they will fail. However good your willpower is, however your strength and resolve is, at some point, something will trip you up and you won't be able to manage it on your own. And you need somebody else to help you. So your responsibility is to get in front of him. What you'll find is that the growth of the Spirit's fruit in your life is something that he does in you and demonstrates through you, that he does it. Cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life cannot bypass being yielded, surrendered to God. It cannot, it cannot bypass that. It's rather, it's about being in step with the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let me ask you this this morning. How are you walking? How are you walking? Are you keeping in step? If you are, then you'll find that all of this falls into place naturally. If you are walking with God, if you're keeping in step with God, this will happen in your lives. It's guaranteed. If you see somebody that's just going from grace to grace, if you like, it's because they're spending time with God. There's no other bypass. And that's why it's the evidence of a life that's yielded and surrendered. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. <laughs> They're in conflict with each other so that you, uh, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Listen to this. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where, where is your seat of governance in your life? If it's with you, then that's the list that you will be displaying. If it's with the Spirit of God, then the fruit of the Spirit, that's the list you'll be displaying in your life. So that's it. Where do you spend your time? Who do you spend your time with? And I'm not saying get rid of your friends. I'm not. They need you. They need you to grow fruit in your life so they can see, taste and see that the Lord is good. So how do you keep in step? Well, here's six quick pointers. And this is so important. You're, you're not going to progress and mature as a believer without locking this stuff in. You're not. Sorry. So, quiet your heart. The Bible would say, be still and know that I am God. Do it, do it intentionally. Life is too busy and too loud for you not to deliberately take time to be still before him. Even non-Christian or, or without Christian thought in them, NGOs and things like that, 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 that are trying to deal with people's mental health are, are encouraging people to make space in their lives because they recognise that that quietness and that stillness is good. Where they fall deficient is that they say, just be quiet, breathe, concentrate on your breathing or picture a nice thing or meditate on this. And if you don't bring Christ into that, it's pointless, it's guff, it's rubbish. Okay? It, it might give you temporary reprieve from helping to control your breathing or your heart rate or something like that, but ultimately it's not going to help you become what God intends you to be. So, quiet your heart. Spend time with him, and I mean daily. Like, we're not going to do a poll on this. Because what that would reveal is that 50% of the room, maybe more, maybe a bit less, don't deliberately spend time with Jesus on a daily basis. Those of you that do, don't judge those that don't. Be a good example. Show them what fruit growing in your life looks like. You know, but I guarantee you this, if you spend daily time, and we're not talking about, like, let's get legalistic with this, and I've got to have my, you know, my seven o'clock to, or you know, I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning and do X, Y, and Z, or, or this, you know, don't make a routine that is legalistic, because that's idolatry. Spend time with Father God. Say, I, I want to give you this time. Go for a walk. Put on some worship music. Do something, read your Bible, you know, do something and say, Lord, please bring me into your presence here and help me to grow. If you do that, even if it's clunky at first, I guarantee you'll see the results of that pretty quickly. And be thankful. Don't come at him out of the gate with a list of disgruntled <coughs> complaints and things. Uh, be grateful first. Show him gratitude first. You might have a thousand things that are going wrong in your life, but I guarantee you've got a good handful of things that are going well. The problem is that they get crowded out by all the gunk in life. Remember what God has given you. Mm -hmm. I, I can be so preoccupied with the fact that I've got a leak under my sink, or you know my shower's not working, or my house is cold because of these, you know. This, Scottish special or whatever, or the dog's peed on the floor and it's going through the, like, lino or whatever. You know, I can be so preoccupied with those things that I forget to say, what are you doing for your house? Yeah, Thank you. that's right. That's incredible. Absolutely. You, you put my feet in pleasant places. Yeah, exactly. 
Take time to listen to him and hear him. Don't just gob off at him about this, that, and the other. Take time in your time in his presence to listen. And that comes to being quiet as well. Yeah. He's speaking. He, did you know that? He's speaking to you all of the time. Amen. He is speaking to you if you're quiet enough to hear him. And this is what we don't like, is submit. Submit to him. Be obedient to what he's saying when you hear him speaking. Be obedient to that. Act on what you read or what you hear. And repent as he reveals things. Repent means to turn around, to, to literally change direction. If he says, I'm not liking this in your life, then change direction, change course. Ask him for help with that. But be obedient to what he's saying. Submit to him. And then surround yourself with good, godly examples. This is why you need to be able to discern and know why you can and should judge whether somebody's walk is healthy or not. Because those, I'm not saying reject people whose walk is not healthy. I'm not saying cast them out. If, if anything, I'm saying the absolute opposite. Draw alongside them, help them, exemplify what good Christian living looks like. Exemplify it, not because you've practiced it and you're really good, but because the Holy Spirit is given room in your life to move and to breathe and to make you healthy. There's no substitute. There's no substitute for spending time with God. This might feel like a, a, a rod to beat you with this morning, but listen, there's life here. I'm not telling you you're doing this badly, whack, 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 sort yourselves out. I'm saying you can't whack, 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 sort yourselves out. Spend time in his presence. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. You will grow. That's right. You will grow. There's no substitute for spending daily time with God. If, if you have a baby, or a husband, <laughs> there's no way that you would starve them. Or strangle them. You might. <laughs> I think that's not the answer. <laughs> you feed them. You, you, you give them access to nutrition and oxygen. Because that's what causes them to grow. Do that for yourselves. Give yourself spiritual room for nutrition, access to life. Not, not by, uh, by not spending time in his presence daily, you are literally starving yourself and strangling yourself. Yeah. Literally. Uh, and what will happen is that you'll come back to this place where you're saying, I need to be better. And you get in this cycle of guilt where you think you've nailed it, uh, and then you're like, yes, mm-hmm. I've done it. And you feel great about yourself and that. It's kind of pride. Uh, but then, you know, a little way down the road, something will trip you up. Something, you, you fail somewhere. And that hits into guilt and you'll ignore God for a little bit because you feel ashamed. And you're like, don't look at me, God. I'm dirty, I'm filthy, I'm horrible. Uh, and then you'll come back to him in repentance and your forgiveness. And that's great. And then you'll try again to be, I must be better next time, Lord. And you'll try to be, do you see how that works? It just keeps going around. Like, Listen, I've gone on too long and I've nearly finished. Do you not know that the power of God is alive and at work in you? Amen. Do you not know that you can be a ground shaker for the kingdom? There's not one person in here who is intended in God's sight just to be a a Sunday attender. Not one person. That that you are there to shake the ground, to to scare the 
hell out of this town. And I mean that very literally. I've chosen my language quite carefully with that. Because mm -hmm. yep. you have that power alive in you. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you have that power. Now give him room. Give him space. You do not know that he intends far more for you, that he intends to grow things in you that flow out of you, that are amazing and taste good and that will transform this town. And by spending time with him like, intentionally and daily, I guarantee you, you'll start to notice the difference almost immediately. And if you don't notice it, you'll surely notice when you stop spending time with him because very quickly your thoughts will move to confusion your anger will start to be spawned by smaller things your sense of hope will take a nosedive and your struggle to believe becomes a much bigger challenging obstacle remember that good fruit not only looks good on the outside but also tastes good when it's squeezed abundant life is found by a heart fully yielded to god jesus walking in step with his holy spirit